Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit us at www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Welcome to Thrive Church this morning. How are you guys doing? Good, good deal. Uh, we're starting a new series today. Yes, yeah, somebody wanted to clap. That's good. If you're excited, you can clap. If you're glad to be here. We're starting a new series today called The Encounter. As you just saw there, a story of Mary and Joseph and, and God encountering mankind there. That's why it's called The Encounter. If you're a first-time guest with us, I want to say thank you so much for choosing to worship with us. You could have been at a hundred different churches a day and you chose to come to Thrive. And we thank you for that uh, sincerely. Make sure you fill out your guest card and put it in the blue basket on our guest table. And I'd uh, love to get, get in contact with you. Something very special. There's two things coming up. They're very important, very special. Next Friday is our Christmas party. It's a chance, and see, somebody loves to eat. Okay, so they're excited. This party is really, uh, for all those that come to Thrive, if this is your first time here, then, then you're a Thriver. You're welcome to it. Um, for us to get together, to eat, to fellowship, we've got some cool games we're going to do, some trivia. It's going to be awesome right in our fellowship hall. The 14th at 6.30. And it's going to be a, man, we're going to have it decked out. And I've seen the list of food, and I'm very excited. So the 14th at 6.30, if you guys want to come, we'd love to invite you to that. Also, too, um, if, if you'll know there's a special day coming up called Christmas Eve. Now, again, people say, do you celebrate Christmas? No, we celebrate Christ. But we, you know. Um, let me just say this. It's funny how people are talking about, well, I don't celebrate Christmas. And blah, blah, blah. That's cool. It's your prerogative. I am not downing you at all. But I think it's so cool that every song you hear is about Jesus on the radio. Where, where else does a secular station play songs about the coming king? Amen? I just think it's cool. I was in, in Home Depot the other day, and they're like, we can't say Merry Christmas. And they were like literally singing uh, Noel, uh, born as the king of Israel. I'm like, wow. This is the coolest time of the year that people actually talk about Jesus when they, they can't. So Christmas Eve is special here. We're going to do a one-hour worship experience. I have postcards for you to give to your friends and to your family and to your coworkers to invite them out to that. So make sure you get some at our guest table. And what I've, what I've done is if you want to send it even to your family, you can write their address in and put a postage stamp on there and put it in the mail to them and send it to them. Make sure you get those. Outreach portion, though. Uh, we only have a couple more stockings left. I think there's two or three left up there. I even have one here. But we have bought over 100 stockings, um, which is amazing. We're hoping that the first 100 kids that come that night that will have their own worship experience will get stockings stuffed with toys. Isn't that cool? Um, amen. We've, we've had some, some donations come in uh, monetarily to help this cause out. And so what we've done is even now we're going to partner with the sheriff's office and with social services to help other families. Um, you can email us if you're in need. And then we can, even here at this church, if you say, you know what, I have a need. And what we're going to do at that point, if you have a need, we'll send you to CHASM so you can get screened. And then um, you will be put on our list to be helped out through our church as well if you'd like to do that. So email us, talk to us. And we'd love to also help out the folks in our church that are in need of help during the Christmas season. Is everybody ready for the Word of God this morning? All right, let's get to work here. Turn your Bibles to John 114, if you don't mind, and then to Luke 135. John 114, and then I'm going to draw your attention to Luke 135. We are going to live in Luke 1 this morning, so it behoove you to go ahead and, and put your finger in Luke 1 and just hang out there, but you can turn to John 114 right now. 
This series is about God encountering mankind. So that's what Christmas is all about. It's not about gifts or Santa Claus or trees or even a baby in a manger. Now that's all elements of it. Don't get me wrong. But the whole series is that God himself came to encounter mankind. Do you get that? Do you get the picture of how powerful that is? The God of the universe, so holy that if you're in his presence you would die, comes to meet us right where we're at. And this series is about what happened when God encountered Mary this week, the shepherds next week, and then Joseph the final week. And this week as we talk about Mary, I want you to realize the Lord just really began to impress on my heart last night about the whole uh, idea of here I am. There was a man named Samuel in the Old Testament. As a young boy, the Lord began to speak to Samuel. And if you just have given your life to the Lord or you're new to Christ, it's weird when God starts impressing things on your heart and he starts kind of speaking to you. Now that's different for everyone. I'm not saying you'll hear audible voice like Morgan Freeman or James Earl Jones. We've established that. That God sounds like one of those guys. Listen to me. Usually, right? Usually it's impressions. Usually it's conviction. It's things like that. But Samuel kept feeling like God wants to do something in his life. And he went to Eli and said, and finally Eli said, when God speaks to you again, simply say, here I am, Lord. And this morning we're going to look at a young girl who simply said the same thing. Here I am, Lord. And God used her to do the most amazing thing that anybody has ever done in humanity. That's birth the Savior to this world. And so I want to encourage you this morning as we look through this account that you would posture your heart to say, God, here I am. Use me. Look at John 1.14, which you'll hear this every week, this one scripture, and then we'll look into our passage. And the Word became flesh. That's Jesus, if you guys don't know. Jesus Christ, the eternal Word, second part of the Trinity. And the Word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, now follow me here. In, in Matthew and Luke, you get a Christmas account, right? Well, Mark, of course, he doesn't. He's just like 16 chapters in and out. We've been studying that on Wednesday nights. But John does have a Christmas account. We just read it. John shows us that thousands of years of promises to the Jews that Messiah would come, that Savior would come to them. He says it in one verse. He doesn't mention a baby. He doesn't mention the shepherds. He doesn't mention Mary or Joseph or any of that. Of course, that's because of who he was writing to. But I want you to realize that here, he makes it very simple. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is the Christmas story. That God Almighty came to us, sinful man, to meet us where we're at. And now look at Luke one thirty-five, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born of you will be called the Son of God. Let us pray. Father, this morning I stand before you humbly before your word. And God, I pray that your word would not return void. That you would speak powerfully to every heart in this place, God. 
And Lord, this morning we simply, like Mary, are just making ourselves open and available to your will, your plan, and your purposes. I pray you would bless every person in here. I pray that they would be hungry for the word this morning, God. Open their hearts up, God. Uh, The teacher is only as good as the student. So I pray, Lord, that you would just touch the hearts of the students in here today, God. And you are the great teacher, the Holy Spirit. And may you speak to every heart in Jesus' name. Amen. The idea is for God to use you. And can I just say this here? We get to, the, to a point in our life where we start chasing careers. Is a career a bad thing? No. We enroll in school and we have aspirations and we start wondering we need enough money to, to do this, enough money to do that. And we get into this cycle and we start having needs and expectations of life. And you know what gets lost in that? Is the idea of God using you in your life. When I first got saved, I lost everything. I didn't have, I lost all my friends. I lost everything. I've told you guys that. And I simply got down to the, to the nuts and bolts. I said, God, use me. Guys, I didn't grow up in church. I had, I had none of my grandfathers or fathers or anybody or preachers or teachers. I had no heritage in the Christian faith. And I just said, God, use me. And that's, my, that's what I want you to do in my life. And I believe so many times we get so wrapped up in, in the day-to-day stuff and following pursuits and doing things that we lose the very thing that will give us fulfillment. If you're looking for fulfillment in a person or a career or an opportunity or a church or in friends or in family and you want them to fulfill you, friends, I'm telling you, you're looking in the wrong place. You're looking for love in all the wrong places, as the famous song says. I, I just felt today an urgency for us to come back to the point to we say, God, here I am, use me. And that will make your life an adventure. That means no matter what you do, no matter where you go, your life will be an adventure. And I dare some of you today, because some of you come in here today, and I just, I just sense this, that you feel emptiness in your heart. What's, what's the deal with church, man? Why do church? Why, why continue to do this? Why continue to do that? You know why you ask those questions and you have the emptiness in your heart? Because you're not allowing God to use you. He's trying to at, at your school, which school's not a bad thing, is it, right? At, at your job, among your friends, among your family. He's trying to use you, but you've lost sight of that. And I believe the most simple prayer we could pray during this Advent season is God use me. And here's what you have to do. How many of you guys want God to use you? Okay, good. Yeah, yeah everybody raise your hand because if not, your neighbor's like, oh man, they don't want God to use them. <laughs> that was a loaded question to raise your hand, right? But if you get to that point, you say, God, use me, then you also have to get to the next step. You say, Holy Spirit, do whatever you want to do in my life. Take me and use me. Because so many Christians, and this is what I see, is that we have a Holy Trinity. But our Holy Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. Did anybody get that? A lot of Christians, that, that, that's your trinity. You, you are scared of the Holy Spirit. Now, can I go ahead and give you a disclaimer? There are weirdos out there. There are extremists out there. There are people that do really crazy stuff out there, right? There's people who do crazy stuff with money, but how many of you stopped using money this week? Anybody in here? 
you have to get to a place where you have an intimate walk with God. Where you allow the Holy Spirit daily to impress upon your heart. Daily to speak to you. And you've got to yield to him. And I explain that yielding to God is like merging with traffic. You have the yield, the yield sign that we have here in Richmond. So often you have to yield to traffic. Right? You have to get to the place where you understand God is God's in a flow and God's moving. I'm telling you, he doesn't stop working. You may feel like God stopped working, but he hadn't. Just trust me, okay? Can you trust me on that? And you've got to get to the point where you say, God, I want to merge with what you're doing. Use me however you see fit. And this morning, what we want to look at just for a short amount of time is Mary, the mother of Jesus. What an incredible story of a young girl who was used greatly by God. I mean, 12 to 15 years old, most scholars say. Now, they got married a lot younger back then, all right? So don't, don't, don't start freaking out if you've never read the Bible before. But back then, that's, that's what happened. And Mary opens her heart up to God. And God uses her in an amazing way. So I want to look at Luke one twenty six through verse 38. And then we're going to break this down this morning. How God wants to use us in our lives. Look at Luke one twenty six. Turning your copy of God's Word. It says, Now in the sixth month... The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. I've told you before that Nazareth literally meant trash dump. It was the other side of the tracks. It was the worst city to live in. Think of the worst city to live in and then that's where they were at. Why? Because they would throw garbage out in the streets as the Romans walked through. Because they hated Rome's rule over that area. So They literally lived in garbage because they hated Rome so much they would throw all their trash in the streets so the soldiers had to walk through it. Nazareth was not your preferable stop in life, okay? To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Betrothal was an engagement uh, in the Jewish culture. And it was a very pure engagement. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Of the house of David. Now you know Luke mentions this to show all the Jews that this is through the lineage of David. That Jesus is in the line of David. Very important uh, for the Jews there. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Can we take a time out real quick? Do you mind if I just say something to you that's not related to the message? Can I do that? This is not a rabbit trail because I planned it. This is a planned detour to show you something. How many of you have been in church and you ask me how they're doing? They say, I'm blessed and highly favored. How are you doing? Blessed and highly favored. I believe Mary would probably want to slap you. She wouldn't because she's a son of God's daughter. Because don't you understand something? And I hear this all the time. When Mary was told she is blessed and highly favored, her life fell apart. And we'll go on to find out what happened to Mary. Accused of sleeping around on Joseph. Family said, I don't want anything to do with you. Uh, if you want to be blessed and highly favored and God to use you, it's going to cost you. And so the next time you tell somebody I'm blessed and highly favored, realize that's a place of trouble. Because uh, God's going to use you in that. So uh, don't use that term lightly, walking around like, like it's something that somebody taught you on TV to say so you could maybe get a gold watch in the mail. <laughs> Verse 29, let's, let's move on here. I, I don't know where that guy came from, but I'll, you know. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor 
with God. That is some of the best words and worst words ever because of what it cost her. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he'll be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Now, um, that's being nice. You know what that means, don't you? Everybody on the same page here. All right. Anybody, anybody need me to, to, to Okay, I'll tell you after the service if you didn't catch on there. <laughs> then the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For God, nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed for, from her. She, she just said, Lord, here I am. How do we let God use us? What is the road map that Mary gives us? And there's three points here in this, what I find here in this account that I want you guys to write in your notes this morning. And the first one is this. How do I allow God to use me? Number one is God will only use the humble. God will only use the humble. God only uses the humble. Look at Luke one twenty six. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. We just established that's trash dump. That's the other side of the tracks. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, interesting point here, if, if you'll just, just, just follow me for a second. If you read the other accounts, this is not the first encounter that God has with somebody um, about Jesus. The first account was Zechariah, who is John the Baptist's father, right? And, and follow me here. John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was a priest who served in the temple. He was in a religious setting, doing religious stuff. He was a religious guy in the big city. And he came and visited Zechariah and said, you guys are going to have a son and you're going to name him John. God just went and told him the name and you're going to do it and you'll do it my way. But this other account we see, the second visitation of God to someone is to a girl named Mary who lived in an agrarian village in Galilee called Nazareth. She was not in a religious setting. She didn't visit the temple every day. She was not in the city. She was doing nothing spectacular for God to say, you're very religious and you're usable by my standards in your kingdom. See, many of you need to realize because you sit there and you give God reasons why you can't be used. You give God barriers. You give God objections. If you're a salesman in here, you know how to overcome objections, right? People will give you objections and they try to overcome the objection. Many of you have given God objections of why you can't be used in that way. Well, I'm not outgoing. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not this. And really what you're doing is, you, let me just say this. If you're that type of person that always talks about what you're not, you're not being humble. You're being arrogant. Because you're telling God, number one, you using me is all about me. It's not about you. See, God specializes in using people who never are good enough. 
Moses, I mean, come on, friends. What the God is like, God, I can't sp- sp- speak. Right? And so we got to be careful when we go to the Lord and say, God, I don't think I can be used because if Mary could be used, then you can be used. I've said this before is that if you were voted the, if the top person in your class to be the most successful, if you were the quarterback of your high school football team, if you're the top cheerleader, if you were all those things, then God can still use you. But he just specializes in using people who have no accolades, who have no special giftings and nothing special about them. God specializes in that. And one thing that attracts God to people is something called humility. And Mary was humble from humble places and a humble beginning. See, God always uses unexpected people from unexpected places. If you look at the, it's awesome, the moves of God throughout history, and you study those, it was never from somebody predominant. It was from always somebody who no one ever expected to be used by God. There were deacons in the church where I got saved at when I had leopard pent hair and piercings that never would have thought I would pastor. And they never thought I'd been on staff at their church when I was on staff there. I'm telling you, God specializes in using people that will say, God, I'm available and, and open. That's all humility is. Humility, is. humility is not like walking around saying, I'm just not good enough. I'm not good enough. Humility is saying, God, I'm just here. And whatever you want to do, I'm up for it. I'm game. God, use me however you want to use me. I'm going to tell you something too. And D.L. Moody said this. He said, God is looking for one man who will sanctify himself and set himself apart so that God can use him greatly. And the world is yet to see somebody that has set themselves apart to God and said, God, use me greatly. And many of you during this Christmas season, I'm just coming to help clear your minds and get you back on the, the right thinking that God wants to use you. And humility in this, in the ministry is not this. It's not doing the most menial task. Well, I, I'm humble. I wash toilets. Now that could actually be a sense of pride because you want to show that you'll wash toilets. You know what humility really is? Can I just be honest with you? I've been put in these situations many times. It's serving people who aren't appreciative. It's doing things where you'll never get anything in return. It's even serving people who you probably don't feel worthy to be served. It's doing things that you you hate to create something you love. As I I told our guys yesterday, we were painting the nursery upstairs. And I'm going to tell you guys, I hate painting. I hate it. I hate painting. Pastor Lisa came and she said, I'm used to seeing you as your jovial, loving self. I said, put me at painting. I'll tell you, I hate painting. But you know what I hate worse? Uh, nursery with ugly, ugly, ugly colors in it. <laughs> so, humility is doing the thing you hate to create the thing that God loves, that God wants to do in your life. Humility is not doing the most menial task. But sometimes it's submitting to things you don't feel like you're good enough to submit to, that you're better than that. I, for me, in my life, I remember 2008 was a turning point of humility for me. Uh, we had left Georgia. I had graduated from college with my bachelor's degree. And we moved back to our hometown in Clinton, North Carolina. Uh, mine specifically is Turkey, North Carolina. For all you that wonder, the big metropolis, 350 people. And I moved back there, and there was an opening at my home church where I got saved at in 1999, nine years later. 
When I got saved, God did an amazing movement among the youth in that church. We grew from 15 to about 100. And it was a movement. It wasn't like a bunch of students sitting around doing this during lessons. I mean, there were worshipers. There were servers. They were like, man, a lot of us are pastors now. God did an amazing work. Well, that youth ministry after I, I wasn't the youth pastor. I was a youth leader. When I left, that youth ministry went downhill. It wasn't anybody's fault. The youth pastor had, uh, had stepped out. Another guy came in. It went downhill to about five students. So in 2008, check this, I moved back to Clinton, North Carolina, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, God, you're bringing me back for this youth ministry. I'm going to be the next youth pastor. I'm going to relaunch this thing. I'm going to see it grow. Man, if you did it for my, my mentor, Pastor Brett, you can do it for me. I mean, people were like praying for me and prophesying to me and this is God's will. Everybody was, the church was so excited and I went and I interviewed. And while, while I was interviewing, if you don't know me, I, I don't beat around the bush. I'm pretty truthful. And we got into some church growth stuff that was hurting that church. And I began to share with them issues that church needed to fix before they could move forward. I'm just interviewing for a job here. And I know I'm stepping out on very, very thin eyes, talking about some very key issues to that church. So the next day, the pastor calls me. He said, I've got good news and I've got bad news. He said... Which do you want first? I said, well, Pastor, give me the, the bad news. He says, well, we're not going to hire you for the youth pastor position. We're going to hire Dwayne. My heart sunk. So hope deferred makes the heart sick. Proverbs says, hope that my heart was sick. He says, but here's the good news. We're going to hire you on to a full-time position, being an executive pastor that does evangelism, outreach, and, and working with newcomers. And I want you to work with Dwayne and help him build this youth ministry. Because Dwayne has a house here. He's probably going to be here forever. Uh, we knew Clinton. We knew, we, we knew God had... I, I was called to be a lead pastor. I knew I wouldn't be there forever. Uh, I do want to be here forever, if you're asking that question right now. So we'll be buying a house here soon. Yeah, amen. People ask that all the time. We'll, 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 we'll be here. But we, uh, he told me that and my heart sunk. But you know what? I said, God, I'm going to serve. I, I led the youth worship team. Those guys are, are now leading the church praise team. I taught kids guitar lessons. I learned how to do outreach. I learned how to do it with newcomers. And I'm telling you something, it's the greatest year of ministry in my life. It was, it was awesome. But I believe the key to that was saying, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And if, the, if this, this man here who's, who I believe you're speaking to is telling me that this is what we need to do, then this is what we're going to do. And it was great because I believe I humbled myself. And I'm going to tell you something. Me and Dwayne became best friends. Um, the work that, that many of the, the people saw here that's been done in this church, 30 students came from Clinton to come here and help out. And they worked two days straight painting, cleaning, getting this church ready to go. Steam cleaning chairs. They did everything. I'm telling you, if you'll just say, just stop giving negotiations to God. See, pride negotiates. Pride has needs. Pride's like, well, I'll do this only if you will do this for me, God. I'll step out and I'll, I'll serve if you'll do this for me. I need this amount of paycheck. I need this or I need that. And can I tell you something? I was weeping during worship. We came here to this church. God called us here. And you know the story. If you have it, you need to come to Newcomer's Coffee and hear, hear the story. That's just a plug. 6 p.m. tonight. It's a shameless plug for Newcomer's Coffee. It's tonight. Just saying. We came here in the, and there was 23 people the second Sunday I came here. And people ask me, am I full-time? I'm full-time on a part-time salary. 
Why would you do something like that? I mean, I got friends who have less degrees and less experience who make way more money than I make. Can I just put it that way? But I'm going to tell you something. Let me tell you something. I wept during worship because we've seen God revitalize and do. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And I would not have been privy to see God do something like he's done here at Thrive Church if I would have had negotiations in my heart. Well, God, I I need this much money and this much people. I need armor bearers. I need people to bring my Bible on stage. I need this and I need that. I had none of that. My wife and I came in faith believing that, God, we're open and available to be used by you. And if you want to see God do something amazing, just be open and available. Whatever you want me to do, God, I'll do it. But use me. You, many of you have heard the uh, tornado warnings or thunderstorm warnings on TV. Have you ever? You know, you're watching your favorite TV show, and all of a sudden it's like, is that, that really? And that, that guy comes on, you can barely understand. And you're trying to read the bottom, but he's telling you there's a thunderstorm warning that's in the area or a tornado. And they always say conditions are favorable for a thunderstorm. Conditions are favorable for a tornado. If you want God to use you, let conditions be favorable for God to use you by having a heart of humility. What, what can I do? Where can I serve? How can I help? I have no negotiations in my life. except I just want God to use me. The guy who's pastoring in Florida right now, he's preaching tonight. We do Sunday night church down there. That I started that church and put him over. Do you know how he started in ministry? By putting out little cards on each one of the students' chairs, connection cards. And then he started by teaching a little class on Wednesdays. You know, he'd always come to me and say, I just want to know I'm making a difference. That's all I want my life to be is make a difference in people's life. He never thought he'd be a pastor. It all started by being humble. Have conditions favorable for God to use you. And here's what William Temple said. He said, humility does not mean thinking less of yourself than other people. Nor does it mean thinking or having a low opinion of your own gifts. It means freedom from thinking about yourself one way or the other at all. Mary was just humble, open, and available to God. Here's the second point this morning I want to look at in verse 29. And the second point is this. God will use us. You can write in your notes this. God will use us beyond our own limitations. God will use us beyond our own limitations. The Bible says in verse 29, But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth the Son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, Don't you, don't you draw your attention here. How can this be since I do not know a man? Now check it here. She was betrothed to Joseph. She was engaged to Joseph. Now in that culture you didn't shack up. It won't like they were test driving the car and I'm just speaking to some of the young adults in here. Yeah, yeah, I'm speaking to, yeah, yeah, that, that's speaking to all the young adults. Here, talking about, yeah, I'll test drive first and see what happens. No, they were betrothed. A year of engagement to get to know them, know the person. It was a long, lengthy engagement. It was a time of purity. Mary had never been with a man before. She was a virgin. She was pure. She saved herself from marriage. And so when God comes to her and gives her this grandiose thing, she says, I don't know a man. I've never been with, I can't, I, how am I going to have a baby? 
When God, I mean, you know, it's funny how we ask God those things. Like God's like, I never thought of that. Mary, I, you know, I tell you what, I'll visit you back tomorrow and we'll check in on that. But Mary showed the limitation to God. She said, this is my limitation. I don't have the experience to meet the requirement. And let me just say this about shacking up. Anytime God tells you not to do something, it's not to hurt you. Do you know that if you shack up, statistics are already against you? 85% your future relationship will fail. It's statistics. Don't y'all look at me like that. I ain't, I ain't judging nobody. I'm just giving you statistics. Y'all smile at me here, man. I'm trying to preach holiness and y'all get mad at me in here at church. Come on. She didn't have the experience to meet the requirement and the promise of what God was saying. And see, many people sitting here today and you're like, well, when I kick this addiction and when I get good enough, then God can use me. When I learn the Bible enough, when I get good enough. And if you have that when then thinking, you will never be ready for God to use you. Most, and I'll tell you this, people that are in ministry will tell you how they learned was they taught. We had a, a young girl who got saved in her 20s at, at, in Florida, and she didn't know Jesus. You know the way she learned the Bible? Check this. Every week she prepared for children's church and had to learn the lesson to teach the kids, and she learned the Bible that way. Open and available to God. And that's how she learned the Bible. When then, don't have the when then mentality because God never looks at your limitations to decide your calling. There are no resumes in the kingdom of God. Well, God, you know, for many years I've served as a pastor here and I did this and I did that. So God, I believe I'm, I, I, I believe I'm qualified to do this. There are no resumes in the kingdom of God because God looks at you. There's nothing you can do to impress God. You know, God never pats me on the back on Sundays and says, good sermon. You know why? Because he wrote it. And many of us are in the place where we're like, God, you know, if, if I just get this right, I just get that right, then I believe you can use me, but my limitations will stop me. Let me say this. If you feel underqualified and that you cannot do it, no worries. Then God's going to use you. If you're feeling that way right now. And see, some people are overconfident in their abilities. You need to stay in full need of his grace. You know what God will do in your life? Let me just say this. He will put you in situations where you can't do it. He'll put you in a church with 23 people. <laughs> no money. And he'll say, go get them, tiger. I can't, God. I don't know. And you begin to pray and you begin to seek God. And you know what happens? God begins to show up and do it. And then when he does it, you can't take any credit for it because he did the work. Limitations are, are God's answer to using you in your life. And let me just say this here. We have technology today that makes you better than what you really are. I have on my phone something called Wikipedia and Google Apps. You guys know apps? See, back in the day, Jordan loves this saying back in the day because I'm probably too young to know what back in the day really was, right? But back in the day, back in my day, we had 
the uh, Encyclopedia Encyclopedia Britannica. Remember that? And your parents would buy you all the volumes of it. And then, like, if they bought them used, you would like not have some letters. Like, we didn't have we didn't have U, and we didn't have I think it was uh, L. So we, there's two of them that I couldn't do any reports in U and L because we bought them used, and 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 when we bought them, it didn't have that. But this day and time, you don't have an excuse for not knowing something. You have technology that allows you to go past the knowledge that you possess. It's called Google. It's called Wikipedia. The other day, um, me and Jordan were listening to Christmas music, and it said, bring me some figgy pudding. I said, that's a weird song, because they're really, they're really strong about wanting some figgy pudding, and they ain't going to leave the guy's house till they get it. I was like, if they were at my house, I don't know what figgy pudding is. So Jordan looked up on Google what figgy pudding was, and we, we found out. We had an app, or we had technology that used us beyond our own limitations. Can I tell you something? If you've accepted Christ in your life, and you've given your life to Christ, you have an app and an upgrade in you called the Holy Spirit that allows you to live above what you really can do in your life. And you may not have the knowledge, and you may not have the ability, but you have Jesus living in you, and he will empower you to do everything that you can't do. Amen? Amen. Yeah, you, you, you can put your hands up, right? That's all right. If you, if you talk back to me, it feels like I'm doing okay. If, if you just look at me with a me- mean face, I get real scared. And I, I, and, I, and I preach longer if you look at me with a mean face. <laughs> Mary gave her limitations to God. Let me just say this. If you're in Jesus Christ, what was true of Mary is true of you. She was blessed and highly favored. When you're in Christ, you're blessed and highly favored before the Lord. Amen. Now, when you want God to activate that in your life, just realize it's going to cost you something. Here's the third and final point this morning. God will perform his promises through the presence of the Holy Spirit. God will perform his promises through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And look at uh, verse 35. And I'm going to explain that that because it sounds really, really long and really uh, religious. But let me, let me explain what that means. Verse 35 says, And an angel answered, and the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Did you catch that? And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One is, uh, who is to be born of God will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her age. That's John the Baptist's mom. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. The last question that we and point two was this. How will this happen? And I just motivated you on that point. But you know how it's going to happen? Because some of you are asking the same question. How will it happen? Number one, God's given you promises in the word of God. But he's also given you the presence of the Holy Spirit. God always performs his promises through the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Many of us see what God wants to do in our life and we see the type of father and type of husband and type of brother and sister and neighbor God wants us to be then we look at that and we say I'm going to grip my teeth I'm going to make it happen I'm gonna, in 2013 some of y'all making resolutions aren't you right now right in 2013 I'm going to be better I'm going to tie my, put my bootstraps up man I'm going I'm to be I'm going to do it if you could do it then you wouldn't need God the key to you becoming a better person is not seven steps Oprah gives you on the afternoons. 
It's you saying, Holy Spirit, you've got to do it through me. And I give myself to you to be that person. You may say, man, I have a problem cursing. I just, uh, man, I just, you know, I can't stop it. I get mad at people on Richmond, in Richmond 95, and I just curse at them. Now, that's you. Yeah, everybody laugh and smile because you don't want to be that person that somebody thinks it's you. Now, you need to put forth effort, but I'm telling you something. It's God's presence that does it through you. It's God's presence that does it through you. Mary said, how will this happen? How in the world are you going to do this? And God said this. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That word come upon there in the Greek, when you put that together, come upon. It's almost like a wrestling hold. Jordan, if you'll come for a second. Let me just show you what that means. I'm going to stand on the second step because Jordan's so much taller. And how will we... Well, funny. Come upon means to grab someone like this. So the Holy Spirit, he said, the, the Holy Spirit's going to grab, get a hold of you. There you go. Thank you for getting out of my size. Thank you. So get a hold of you. And that's the first thing. You say, God, get a hold of my life. But the second part, he said, and then the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The same Greek word there. And you use the Septuagint and look at the Hebrew. In the Old Testament, it's the word cloud. Remember the Israelites, they had a cloud by day and fire by night. And God used the cloud to lead the Israelites. The cloud was a vessel. Literally what that saying there is, when the Holy Spirit's going to grab you and get a hold of you, and then wants to use you as a vessel for the purposes of God. But you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to grip your heart and say, God, I want you to use me in that manner. D.L. Moody, the late D.L. Moody, you know the Moody Bible Institute, he was fearful to speak in crowds. He had a lot of insecurities. And I've told this story before, but for this sake, let me say this again. He was in a Presbyterian church, and at Sunday school, he prayed. And after the class, they said, Mr. Moody, please never pray for us again. Seriously. He wasn't allowed to pray anymore in Sunday school. He was so bad at praying. And he attempted to start a boys' home in Chicago where the Moody Bible Institute now is. And he stuttered a lot trying to speak to the kids. He was fearful. People thought he was a joke. But D.L. Moody will tell you, and D.L. Moody's not Pentecostal, so this is not, it's not some Pentecostal thing. He said that he prayed that prayer, God, use me, and Holy Spirit, take me over. Just whatever you want to do, I'm here, I'm available. He said that night, the presence of God overshadowed him. And he said and for hours, he could not stop saying glory to God. He was out on the floor just saying glory to God, glory to God. He said the, the presence of God was overwhelming in his life. He had an encounter with God. And do you know what happened after that? Thousands were converted by his ministry. Prime ministers were brought to Christ through his ministry. Because he made himself open and available for the Holy Spirit to use him. See, God's presence activates the promises. Many of you have debit cards, right? You have this thing, a debit card. When you get a debit card in the mail, when you first get it, it has a number on it to call, doesn't it? Why is that? Because it's not activated yet. And if you want to access the account, you've got to activate the card. Let me say this. See, God has an account for you called the Holy Spirit. He has unlimited resources for your life. Everything you ever need is in Him. But many of you have the card, you've accepted Christ, but you've never activated and said, God, use me. Holy Spirit, take me over. I'm yours, whatever you want to do. See, during this Christmas season, and I close with this here, and Daisy, if you'll come. During the Christmas season, and we have gifts and we have things that we, we, we celebrate. I, I said this a few weeks ago. Life is God's gift to you. Right? 
But your gift back to him is what you do with it for him. How about this Christmas? If you want to give Jesus a present, just offer him your life. And say, despite my limitations, despite everything that I don't have, Lord, I give my life to you. What if Mary would have said this? God, can you do this without invading my life? Please, God, I want you to use me, but just don't don't send me to India as a missionary. God, use me, but how about, can I like go help serve at the temple instead of birthing the Son of God? What if Mary would have said those things? You know, I really want to be used, but I'm really scared of getting spiritual. Can you go ahead and perform your promises without your presence? Because your presence really scares me. What if she would have taken that stance in her life? But Mary was open and Mary was available. Let me say this today. We're going to take communion this morning. We do it once a month here to observe the Lord. His sacrifice in our life. And if the ushers can go ahead and start passing communion out. But I want you this holiday season to say, Lord, take my life and use it. I'm open and I'm available for whatever you want to use me in. I want that. Listen, that's my prayer for you guys. Because sitting in here today are people that could literally change the world. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is not some preacher cliche. There's something in somebody that God wants to use you in a major way. There There are teachers and preachers in here. There are youth pastors in here. There are people who are going to start campaigns to help girls who are in sexual slavery. That's in here. There are lawyers in here. They're going to go and share the gospel in courtrooms. There are teachers in here. They're going to start Bible studies at their schools. I'm telling you, in here, but you've got to just say, God, use me and make yourself available. And as you take the elements, just, just keep them there with you. I want you to take time to say, God, use me. Let my life be a gift back to you. And we're going to watch this video here that we're, we're going to play for you. And as we watch this, I want you just to think about the seriousness of communion what Jesus did for you on the cross of Calvary.